feature presentation. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 131 of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Merchin. Matt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we've been having a little bit of a day. Um, I'm using a different camera today, too, just because I just don't have the energy to set up my for other the camera. YouTubers. We um, should specify for the YouTubers for for video uh, watchers only. Um, everything else should be the same. Our, our microphones haven't changed quite yet. They will in a few days uh, because it's tiff time baby oh man eric yeah your your loud sigh already um we've had a little bit of a day uh you know some inside baseball stuff we're prepping everyone it's a couple days before the festival this will be our big tiff 22 preview show it'll mostly be about tiff we might talk some dragon ball and some other things obviously but um it's going to be mostly tiff this episode because we are full force uh we've started screening movies we can talk about a few of them on on this show today even though we will have individual reviews for all of them um as well as kind of like our most anticipated films of the festival just kind of how it's been so far i guess in this little uh preparation period but uh yeah eric and i uh, had our ticket redemption today uh eric did his this morning i have mine this afternoon by the time you're listening to this uh i should have selected my tickets but we'll see what happens um yeah it, it it's hasn't been as smooth as previous years but i uh, it's kind of a little bit expected coming back after you know a couple years off um of doing a quote unquote normal festival um so eric had a little bit of a a, a, a situation this morning but the ticket master me not actual ticket master came through uh, and helped out. Um, and it mostly worked out, Eric. We're being a little kind of, uh, you know, hyperbolic, hyperbolic but it, it, everything's going to be fine. And you know what? Silver lining. We jam packed our festival with like five movies per day and shit and had 36 movies on the docket. You know, if it ends up being 29 and we have a little bit more free time, I'm almost OK with that, too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, before we started recording, Matt was, you know, kind of calculating the odds and sort of creating a dummy list in case, you know, he needed it for his schedule because he still hasn't done his his window as we're recording. This is uh, at 6 p.m. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, And beforehand as well, um, you know, I... It was starting to come down stress wise, but uh, I devoured 10 chicken nuggets, uh, nice. a, a small fry and a large iced coffee in a matter of minutes. So that kind of tells you where I am emotionally. Uh, and, and luckily, Matt was there to talk me down from jumping <laughs> off of the tiff ledge, which was very tempting to do, I have to say, because... I understand that nothing's going to work a hundred percent, but when you're in a predicament, not only having, you know, logged on and followed the directions and, you know, you're, you're trying to do the best you can, but also, you know, paying for a certain amount of this, it kind of feels like, you know, there, there, there should be some easier roads to navigate online and, and, and Ticketmaster has always been, 
um, a problem, it seems. Not just for TIFF. But Not just, just for TIFF, general. but yes, yes, yes. <laughs> if, if you're looking for frustration, like, I, I'm surprised that the Safdie brothers haven't used a set piece involving Ticketmaster yet. I'm sure it will come up in one of their movies at some point where it just escalates tension going from one to a, a thousand in just a second. And I felt literally like I was going to implode. Um, and then it also kind of, again, like, I went from all to nothing in, in, in a second, but it also kind of felt like, okay, hearing other people online and even Matt looking at how the ticketing service is working this year made me feel a little bit better that it wasn't like a complete overreaction because there are a lot of problems. And if any, if there's any of those like, you know, post TIFF, like what can we do better to, you know, to make the festival more easygoing? Dump Ticketmaster. Get rid of that thing. <laughs> Kick it on its ass. Send I don't know how hell. long they sent it, which is weird because I've heard people, even on the public side of things, of not just to speak on press side of things, because a lot of people listening don't have that privilege. Um, but I heard the members pre-sale was a nightmare, right? Like because of having to log in through the TIFF site and use your membership, and there were so many people in line. Where when I logged in on Sunday for just a Ticketmaster pre-sale, I got in instantly and got my mom tickets to uh, the Fablemans and my policeman. And so it was so interesting people being like, I waited six hours or I waited hours on that day. And then I was able to go in the next morning and get something. Uh, <laughs> shout, out to Dave, <laughs> shout, shout out to Dave Baldwin. Just got a message being like, yo, don't even bother going on the portal. Just call the P&I line. <laughs> so um I, uh, that's a good tip. Uh, so I'm going to do that later, but so yeah, I was able to get through Ticketmaster pretty easy. So it's just this weird ticketing has always been such an interesting kind of thing for TIFF. Like there's problems on every side of things, whether press public, uh, you know, luckily again, a privilege we have with press and industry badges is we can go to P and I screenings. So, you know, worst case Ontario, we have to, uh, you know, not go to a the premiere and go to a P and I. Oh, poor us! Wah wah wah! Like, uh, it's it's fine. We we'll make it work. Uh, on the public side of things, you know, it crashes every year. Um, it you know, it never. It seems like you have to have a higher and higher membership every year to get the tickets that you want. Um, I don't know. I haven't done public in a long time. I our friend Ryan Hancock uh, has been doing public for the last couple of years, and he seemed to get a lot of the movies he wanted because he bought a package beforehand. I feel like single ticket day is always a little bit of a nightmare where if you have a ticket package, you, it mostly works out. You might have to see some at the later part of the festival and things like that. But um, it's always interesting every year, but we almost, I got comfortable, right? You get comfortable and then they come back and they're going to get you right. Right. When you start feeling comfortable because like the ghoulies, year, they get you in the end each year with our press tickets. Um, I, um, we never like, this is the first year in recent memory where it kind of went to shit. Right. Like, I feel like every year I stress out about it and every year it's like, Oh yeah, we got everything we wanted. Right. And that's, we're very lucky. Right. So like we were, we were due overdue maybe. And, um, uh, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to see what, Oh yeah. Eric Dave's like, I told Eric to Eric. Uh, I got it. Thanks it. Dave. I appreciate it. 
Oh, so he said, I was on hold for over an hour, but was able to trade in my vouchers for virtually all the titles I wanted. I told Eric too. So Eric, you might even want to do that. Like as we're recording a live, <laughs> no, a live I, I, recording. Like, we might even pause this now so you can call. He's like, I was on hold for over an hour, but was able to trade my vouchers in for any, everything he wanted. Okay, so maybe we should do this now. This is this is this is live and happening. I almost feel like we should record this as we're we're talking about no, it. But I yeah, I don't think we should. But uh, we'll be back, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> and we are back. It's now. Um, we probably sound different. Uh, we no longer. Uh, you can't see our faces. But it's been a long. Uh, 24 plus hours no less than 24 hours it feels like more than 24 um, hours uh we're continuing this episode live from the Scotiabank theater in toronto we started it from each of our homes and you guys uh did hear us live on the uh on the show get a message from our friend dave baldwin about tiff tickets and we spent the next four hours after that like trying to figure out all of our uh, schedules and our, our tip tickets and we stopped the podcast we worked on all of that and then it just became like 8 p.m and i had to watch pinocchio you guys can go check out that um, once the, the embargo has been lifted yeah, once the if, you, if you are listening to this depending beforehand. on when yeah. it's it, it if it if pinocchio is out you can listen to the review yeah if it's not you can't yet and we cannot talk about it until then but um yeah we uh we're now in TIFF mode, so we're recording like basically on location throughout the festival on our phones. Um, we won't be having video versions of the podcast, but we'll have them on YouTube still, just kind of the audio versions. And then you can obviously get them on podcast services and different things like that. And I forget if what we were even talking about uh, yesterday, <laughs> but I know we were only like eight or 13 minutes into the show and i think we stopped but i think we were talking about literally the stress that the redemption yeah. window for the 10 a.m for my redemption right window was and we were causing. waiting for my 6 p.m right yeah, so and how like, we were dreading that yeah so it, a lot of this is inside baseball stuff but like it is interesting like uh we did stop the show and this is just going to be a tiff preview episode everyone so eric and i are just kind of wait i thought there was gonna uh, be more dragon ball talk yeah well there will be dragon oh there will be dragon ball talk so um <laughs> have i i keep watching dragon ball and i can't stop but um yeah we we ended up fixing everything everyone i know we probably started to talk about what was happening with eric's tickets and how we kind of had to rearrange everything but we redid our schedule two or three times yesterday and then eventually it just reverted back to what our original schedule pretty much was maybe minus a few movies here and there to give us a little bit more time even though it feels like we have no time but we um, have time but yeah yeah so we're good we're set i think we're probably in we're a better, still good <laughs> we're probably in a better mood now than we were when we started the podcast yesterday and like uh you know we've we've been in toronto this whole day just getting our badges getting uh our everything in order basically the f- couple final movies we wanted with our vouchers and stuff like that if you hear weird noises in the background it feels like they keep flushing the coca-cola machines so, yeah um, they're doing that to get us out so we're at the scotiabank theater in toronto and um this is usually where a lot of pni screenings actually are for tip starting thursday yeah, yeah so uh it makes perfect sense that we would end up here for uh, a tip preview show you know yeah. after a very arduous labor day yeah so everything's sorted now and we're excited for the festival so and shout out to um, the help center i think like yeah like the person that we had um she was wonderful amazing yeah. and she helped both of us out and 
um, you know, put both of our minds at ease. But I mean, speaking just for myself, like it was amazing to kind of come down from that kind of like twist of pure stress <laughs> to the point where like I had to talk you off a ledge. Yesterday I was morning. having a panic attack, <laughs> and you know, like we've never dealt with this before. We under- also understand we're extremely all privileged. press is going through it this year too. Yeah, but yeah, we are very privileged with the passes we have and different things like that. Yeah. Um, but everyone was going through it. It wasn't just us yesterday. And people um, are still going through it. Like, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if there is an overflow in the PNI screenings because people just don't want to be bothered to change. To get their public tickets, yeah. right? Yeah. I think, like, you know, again, I don't know if anyone cares about this stuff because I know we have some press friends that listen to us, but um, we'll, we'll shut up about this. We'll just say that, like, we did get everything in order. Um, I'd say, like tips for this kind of stuff even on the public side of things like you just kind of have to roll with the punches and figure out a way to fix things and if you can't again roll with the punches just kind of adjust pivot things like that you you know some people have been handling this better than others and you just i think you just have to you just kind of have to roll with it man like and and we did and uh, we luckily Still stressful though we luckily yeah and it took our whole day yesterday we got behind on recording we stopped this podcast midway through um not midway just like at the beginning um so it is what it is but uh it was a long ass day but we got everything sorted out and yeah shout out to the the tiff ticket team like they're they're working dave their baldwin, as you mentioned dave baldwin um uh, yeah thank god for him messaging us and just saying go try this because we got in right under the wire yesterday and yeah. uh and got everything done so i know some people were still dealing with that today so um i know it's it's that's tiff it, it's we we were due for something like this right like each year went almost too smoothly well even um, during the pandemic like it went relatively easy compared to what a lot of people thought it would be with kind of the hybrid festival you know being online and having an app and everybody thinking like oh is is the app or the online version going to crash is there going to be a lot of pirating and there were problems there always is or are um but at the same time it wasn't as bad as people were expecting and this year kind of coming back to it in full force you you saw a problem i think with the way that tiff and Ticketmaster kind of structured you know there's no priority press this year yeah. in terms of like the badges but probably the way that they they structured the uh, yeah. times and even on the public side right like we i think we were talking about this a little before we stopped where it's just like that i did talk about this because on the uh tiff members day it was so it was, long ago it was uh it was really hard to get shit but then i went on the Ticketmaster day and it was okay so it's this weird you know there's always troubles with it and like you can't sometimes prepare your system for the overload that it gets but you know proper testing and, and proper development will help that but anyways we got everything we needed i'm pumped uh you know this is going to be our preview show so we've seen a few movies uh before the festival that we can kind of talk about but we will do full-fledged reviews uh or at least tiff reviews um capsule reviews or whatever you want to call them for us like okay they're not going to be 45 minutes each they'll be 15 to 20 hopefully but like uh overall uh we're going to be reviewing stuff every day as long as we can we'll be putting up like i said the audio versions on podcast services there'll be video versions on youtube but they'll be like a hybrid audio 
only kind of thing with a so you can still watch on YouTube, but it's still just audio. Um, and it's going to be busy, man, but it, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, same. It, you know, we, we've seen about, you know, five to seven movies so far, and that's not a lot compared to the before times or even, you know... Where we've got 10, 15 before the festival. Yeah, like, yeah. Even, even, like, we're almost closing in on a decade now of, like, doing this kind of, like... Covering it professionally for you know either movie night or or this and and you know on top of our other jobs that we've done in the past whether it be tribute or Rogers um, and you don't know, forget Toronto film scene <laughs> how dare you you've jinxed this whole episode and the festival um, so yeah like when when you when you go back and lo- and look at like the. I, I, I mean, you mentioned the Toronto film scene, um, but like the 2014 festival. That I think was we, the Toronto film scene. I, year. I think we saw at least like 10 to 15 movies before the festival even yeah. began. And yeah. now you look at, you know, the the few films we have seen and how lucky, you know, we are to have seen a movie like Triangle of Sadness, which is a hot ticket item, or, you know, seeing smaller movies that have done well during the festival circuit whether you know it be after sun or you know even something you know that is going to have its world premiere here with you know chandler levesque's i I like like movies movies, which is a really lovely discovery and i think it'll hit really hard for anybody who grew up in this area in, in the the rental era of you know going to blockbusters or rogers or you know jumbo video or any number of films like you know it kind of feels like every generation has the end of an era moment yeah and for people that grew up in the early 2000s with kind of that being the last hurrah of renting uh movies at a video store and having that communal experience but also kind of figuring out what you're going to do after high school and thinking that you are um you know moving on to bigger and better things but leaving the rest behind you know like there's there's something really interesting there and we'll get more into it with the review um but yeah like it's it's a nice cross-section of of releases and you know once we really start getting into the festival you know run and in the first couple of days um it'll be interesting to see if there's any kind of like theme or things that kind of connect to movies that that share something that had been made in the last couple of years. You yeah, know? that's true. There always is kind of a theme throughout the festival where you see a bunch of a certain kind of movie. Like, too, I mean, like, sight unseen, we haven't seen them yet, but you look at something like Sarah Pauly's Women Talking or even Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, both of them seem to have a stage-like quality. So, yeah. And then on the opposite side of things, where like something like Triangle of Sadness, we've talked about this with you know other movies like Everything Everywhere All at the Once. Maximalist. Yeah, or RRR, like, where, yeah. yeah, like it's either, you know, quiet and <laughs> contemplative. <laughs> or and, fucking a sledgehammer to the head. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think like there's it's one extreme or the other, and that's kind of where we are as we're slowly reintegrating, you know, out of the pandemic and trying to find some new normal right yeah no you're absolutely right like we got uh florian zeller's the sun is also playing which is yep. based on a play right well, well, it's and his like, play yeah it's yeah a playwright, so yeah. yeah i think you're you're absolutely right with that and that is kind of i mean i guess that's just almost like a metaphor for you know what's being put in cinemas right now too right like there's no middle ground <laughs> anymore it's yeah. just like either the biggest thing or the smallest thing and uh 
it's an interesting spot to be in. But yeah, I mean, I've we were talking to our um, uh, colleague and, and friend Pat Mullen uh, when we were walking. We bumped into so many people today already. Yeah. Um, and uh, just talking about it, I'm like, I enjoyed everything that I've seen so far. The more I sit on After Sun, the more I like it. I was kind of tepid on it when, and you really liked it when we saw it. Um, I, I've, that's a movie that sat with me longer and I liked more after I sat on it um, sometimes you uh, need like, that though you need yeah. time to really kind of ruminate and on appreciate something. something and think about it so after Sun was one of those um, I saw Moon Age Daydream which I really really liked uh, you haven't seen that one yet um, but if you can see that in the in an IMAX screen or something like that, it's very loud, very in your face. And that um, also opens on the 16th of September, so it's yeah. pretty soon. So that's a movie where it's like, you know, if you have festival FOMO, at least something like that is coming yeah. out. The Woman King as well, yeah. Pearl, which is something I just got out of yeah. uh, earlier this morning. And yeah. I think that's going to be an interesting conversation to have in terms of how it compares and contrasts with X. Yeah, because you said it's very different. But um, yeah. yeah, man. So like, I've liked everything I've seen. I really, really enjoy Triangle of Sadness uh, quite a bit. I don't like. I don't know if I like. I love Force Majeure, and and I really like the Square as well. So I don't know where it like ranks in Ruben Oslin movies for me. Yeah, I'll, if, I'll bring this up in the review. Yeah. I think the the thing that's keeping me from loving Triangle of Sadness, even though I really do like it, is that there's no emotional connection yeah. to it because the characters are archetypes, oh, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of representing the various forms of capitalism. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's done in a vignette kind of style, so when you're watching it, um, it's almost like, you know, vignette or skit form, and you're kind of watching these three chapters unfold in this story, and they're all kind of using these, you know, players as a form of representation of sure. what you know contemporary lifestyle yeah. and living is for those on sort of the um, the above and and you know there's there are not to say that the performances aren't good yeah, I mean it, obviously the film itself right now is you, you know like it's going to be hard to not talk about Charles B um, yeah. Dean having passed away especially because we we learned we, about it as, as the we were was going into the screening yeah really as it was starting pretty yeah. much which which made it. It's not the movie's fault. No, 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 not at all. But it made it a little harder to watch, for sure. Um, But if you like Ruben Austin's other movies, you will definitely like this. You might not like... I think it might be number three for me. Yeah. Same with you. Yeah. Um, But I still really, really enjoy it. Like, he's a filmmaker where no matter what he makes... I'm absolutely in on whatever it is. He right? finds and weirdly relatable things as well. Like, I think one of the best moments in the film, and it's not really a spoiler, it's just a little thing, is a hotel lamp. Sure. And I'll yeah. just say that, yeah. where, like, how just little kind of mundane quotidian things where it's like. Yeah. The, you've had that experience. It's situational before. comedy, yeah. yeah, like that. But it, it's really, yeah, I absolutely. But the agree frustration with you. of something. I, I did feel like the movie. Uh, definitely made me feel a little queasy during it. Like, there's a large sequence where we'll get more into it in the review. But I'm like, I think this is in, like it's intentional. But I, I feel like I also want to vomit. The sound design um, is incredible, and, and in just that, that swaying scene. cinematography. Yeah, too, just or like, or some of the food that's being served and how it jiggles. <laughs> it's yeah. We'll we'll save it for the yeah. review. But it's uh it's uh definitely it might be a hard ticket to get, but. Uh, it's definitely worth your time. And that will also be opening soon as well. And I think yeah. it's getting a fairly wide release. I mean, at least in Canada, um, it opens, I, I believe, on October 7th. 
Yeah. Um, and in the U.S., Neon has it. Canada has it. Uh, Elevation has it in Canada. Elevation Pictures, um, who you know was a sponsor of the the last episode of In the Seats oh, yeah, that you we guys did. Can ch- check out now. Yeah, if you want like a more detailed sort of like run through of all the all films the that are playing and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, of of the small grouping of films that we've seen, I wouldn't say that there's anything that I that I've seen that's necessarily bad it's just one of those things where it's like i i wouldn't necessarily other than for for me with after sun that there's nothing maybe i would be like you know this is something that you have to see at the festival yeah, like, like go right try away. to seek it yeah. out yeah yeah kind of thing I, i'm, I'm kind of with you which is like you know i think tiff in a nutshell for me is a lot of like that was good right like yeah uh, and that's fine that's that that's totally fine because i feel like with the amount we see um i find 10 movies i really like and then another 10 movies that I think are pretty good, and then another 10 movies I'm indifferent on, and then five movies that I don't like at all, right? So yeah, like, Holy Spider being one of those films that's kind of middle of the yeah, road, right? Which, Where, like, it's it's a fairly conventional, almost, like... Procedural. Uh, you know, like, journalist yeah. procedural, police procedural, but I think what's most interesting is is sort of it's, it's, it's looking at it from the point of view of Iranian culture. Yeah. Um, and we'll get more into that when we do the review, but just thinking of that yeah, sort not of a director at all, of like, Border, yeah. there are moments where, you know, that dark sense of humor kind of peaks out, but it's not as maybe extreme yeah. as, you know, a, a sequence of two trolls fucking. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like you have to have <laughs> your expectations I didn't even vibe with Border, but I, Border was one of those TIFF movies that... A like, unique experience. Yes, and I was just exhausted at that point. Yeah. And I, it was just, I was not in the mood for that movie. Um, not that it was... But I'd take something like that that's a little bit more interesting and doing something different or weird. Yeah, right? and, and having like, that director as well doing an episode of The Last yeah, of Us. Yeah, right? I think two, two, I think. But, um, yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, not a bad movie at all. Like, it was, no. it was engaging and, and I enjoyed it. But it's kind of, you know, like you said, it's... I don't know if I'll ever think about it again, or I'm not telling people to go rush to go. Yeah, see it. Like, and I don't mean to sound like this is like an insult to the writing or the film itself, but it is one of those movies where it's like, I think you could recommend it to sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of like, like a, my parents. A gen- yeah. <laughs> well, because I like, always it, go to it, my it parents because I'm like. They watched everything everywhere all at once. Right. And, uh, and my mom really liked it. My dad was like, it was an interesting movie. <laughs> the bleakness is, yeah. is is off-putting, but, like, again, the con- like it almost feels like an episode of Law & Order SVU. Yeah. You know? A little bit. Um, but, yeah, I think, what else did we see that um, we can talk about? Is I think that that's it? everything, yeah. yeah. So, uh, we have some other screeners and stuff we'll get to, but we'll just review those uh, during the festival. And... Uh, on top of that, I've been watching a lot of Dragon Ball uh, in between stuff. So You're at Cell now, man. Yeah, I'm at the Cell Saga. Um, there'll be no time codes for this episode. I'm sorry, just because I... Uh, uh, so you just got to listen to me talk about Dragon Ball and stuff if you wanted to skip over it. But um, No, I'll, I'll skip over Dragon Ball because this is a TIFF preview show. But um, I am watching... I've been, I can't stop, Eric. I just can't. Remember last episode? I was like, I'm going to stop. You're going to stop at the end of Frieza. Frieza. And I'm not going to watch it until after TIFF. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I just want to see how the next thing starts. And it got me right away. And it's just been rolling ever since. And I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. This is so much fun. Like introducing the androids and Cell and, and his origin story. And um, it, it's just so much fun. So I'll shut up now. But like, that's where I am at, at Dragon Ball Z. But, well, how it's also uh, connecting back to the Red Ribbon Army, too, yeah, right? Yeah, which is 
man, that's what I mean. Like, going back to Dragon Ball. Like, I'm so glad I watched Dragon Ball. Yeah. Because the Red Ribbon Army stuff, like, yeah, you can... You get it when you watch the show, and if you've only seen Dragon Ball Z, you're like, okay, they mentioned Goku almost took them down before, um, but they're this thing. But like, I, I having Dragon Ball in that all that context of what the Red Ribbon Army is, what they were trying to do before, and stuff like that, like uh, I think adds so much more even to this. And it's that my favorite kind of anime storytelling thing of bringing things back from way in the past and characters coming back and factions coming back and all this stuff and it's like coming back from the dead or, or whatever like it's all so silly and ridiculous you gotta but, kill the root um, right yeah <laughs> it's it's so much fun though i'm like all in uh but back to tiff um i don't know how we want to go about this like we've already talked a lot about like our most anticipated and things like that and we did mention at the like when we came back that we got everything uh, we want everywhere all at once. Um, yeah, which I'm wearing that uh, A24 shirt. Right shirt now, yeah. uh, my everything everywhere all at once shirt. Um, what is your? We've got everything we wanted. Now our schedules are set. Like, what is the thing you're most excited for during the festival? You think? I mean, it, it can be a press screening in the IMAX theater. It could be a premiere. Yeah. It could be whatever. I mean, obviously, the Fableman's premiere um, is, yeah, is exciting. Yeah, I, I think that's a Q&A I might actually stay for. Same. Like, um, I, will I be looking down at my feet when it's open to the audience? If it is open to the audience, perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's some screenings where it's like, I, I, it's always curious to see a movie in IMAX that's not meant for IMAX. That's one of my favorite things. You, you know, yeah. we've talked about it before. Obviously, Darren Aronofsky is going to be here for The Whale. We're not seeing The Whale in IMAX, but seeing The Lobster in IMAX when Darren Aronofsky was in attendance, the Yorgos right Lanthimos movie. Us, yeah. So it, th- I think that's always something where it's like, if you if you can see a movie in IMAX that's not intended for it, um Give that a shot. Scotiabank 12. Yes. Just look through the schedule, find Scotiabank 12, and that will be uh, in the IMAX theater at Scotiabank. Yeah, a decision to leave. I mean, I really love Park Chan-wook quite a bit. I think he's one of those guys where, like, you know, you you always enjoy his output because he doesn't make a lot. So when he does, it's always worth checking out, even if you don't love it. But, like, he's always kind of shooting – you know above and beyond and trying to do new things with the form and the way that you know his cinematography and his direction kind of work it's so beautiful and um i think the other thing that i you know you mentioned it already bumping into people again after what is basically now three years and kind of coming back to an in-person festival setting there is something that is kind of nice about seeing people that you only really sort of have any relationship online with throughout the course of the year, if any at all. Yeah. And then talking to them and catching up with them. And again, it's surface level to an extent because it's just like, you know, how are you? Nothing wrong with that. But but it's sharing kind of like, oh, what have you seen? What are, you know, you most interested in? Like we're talking about now, but it just kind of like hanging out for a little bit. And that's kind of been missed in those last couple of years. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, we're not, you know, me and you keep to ourselves a lot of times. Yeah, we're like, not we're not extroverts like, in that way. We don't mingle all that much, but like, um, we're well, not even I, single. Uh, I uh, <laughs> no, not anymore. Married man. Um, but this time of year, I do like not that I don't like bumping into those people or anyone any other time of the year, but it is I expect it this time of year when you're walking down Festival Street or you're at the Hyatt or you're at. Lightbox or something like that, you're going to bump into the Andrew Feigl's, the 
you know. You'll see Adam McGoyan yeah, getting sure, his yeah. uh, industry badge while reading the Toronto Star. <laughs> yeah, how was that? That you saw him. This it was. Morning, you know, yeah. it was really strange this is because every like, time we, or not every time, the la- we, I guess the last time pre-pandemic we saw him yeah everybody was pulling out their phone and taking photos of him today yeah when really yep and i was texting you and i was just like i guess leave the the guy alone i agree (laughs) which is funny because he probably never gets bothered 90 percent of the year but if you're at tiff that's the one spot adam mcgoyan is going to get recognized And, and maybe there's a little bit more of a profile for him just for like film nerds because um exotica is getting sure. released on criterion on blu-ray and 4k for the first time oh, so nice. there's kind of like that like oh remember when adam mcgoyan was one of the best filmmakers out there yeah you know and i'm not meaning that as a slight but like i mean like exotica no, is a really time. good yeah, movie yeah, for sure and it's always nice seeing him like oh, i yeah, feel like I that should like, be on a bingo card for tiff is seeing adam mcgoyan yeah because yeah. he does come to the festival every year even if he doesn't have yeah. film or anything and like it was that. funny like hearing him because i was behind him and he like he's one of those guys that doesn't plan anything he like, just he goes needs and, you yeah. he needs a mat in his life because he went to pick up his badge and he and was like, asking um uh, the ticket taker like the person who was who was helping him like oh what movies would you recommend and and the person was like i don't know you should go to the ticket office to the or? ticket office and talk to them afterwards that's and so I, interesting i remember yeah. me, the, the one time i met him was back in I think it was like 2010 and I had a um, a friend who I was doing a co-op for in college David Craig introduced me and he was even then it was about halfway through the festival that year he was still looking for movies to see yeah I remember when we saw him um, a couple years ago getting tickets he was just like oh what do you have available like okay I can go to that or I can't yeah just shoot him an email and be like Mr. Goyan, I will make your schedule for you, sir. <laughs> like, I will uh, jam pack with forty movies, and then you can just figure it out from there. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I, it's always fun, and I'm sure we'll see. Like, I'm not a big. Neither of us, I think, are big celebrity people. Like, we don't really. Adam McGoin's a celebrity to me. To you, right? yeah, it's filmmakers. Reference and, and you, I right? like movies. Like, yeah. I mean, Sarah Pauly, who yeah. you know has women talking, had, was in one of Adam McGoin's most critically acclaimed films with a sweet hereafter yeah, yeah you know used his cinematographer from away uh for yeah. away from her so that's awesome yeah. yeah i'm sure he'll be at that premiere and, and and stuff too but um it's always fun seeing filmmakers i think for us because like i think you know actors and shit like that you know whenever you're at the uh, scotia bank you i always see in the press and industry screenings you you recognize people right and it's yeah. kind of fun when you see it darren aronofsky or uh, brian de palma uh, looking <laughs> pissed after a passion screening <laughs> yeah. um who else uh what's his name um andy circus i remember seeing uh last festival or a couple festivals ago I'm, i remember james um, cromwell after yeah. the screening of uh, the artist just kind of like leaving with the rest of the crowd and he's a very tall guy and like everyone kind of coming up to him and him being very patient and and like even me i went up to him and said you know like big fan of la confidential <laughs> yeah <laughs> you I know love that. and like it's like some of that is a lot of fun and, and i do feel that there is a certain amount of of i mean obviously i mentioned there wasn't with you know people taking photos of had mcgoin with a toronto star newspaper but like just taking photos of him sitting there reading the newspaper. no no he was standing in line and people were kind of doing like that pulling out the phone and kind of trying to make it look casual I mean, I was just texting you. When, yeah, when, which is fine. Yeah. I think that's fine. But, like, um, 
Yeah, anyways, whatever. I, I, I don't treat them like they're fucking zoo animals. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, come on. Like, I don't know. Anyways. Um, yeah, I, I'd say the IMAX thing, I, I always get excited. Like, I'm excited for the Royal Alexandra this year. Yeah. Um, and I know if you listen to the In the Seats uh, podcast, I got that wrong. I used to call it, like, the Queen Elizabeth Theater or some shit, like, five times. But Well, you're correcting um, yourself now, so. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Royal Alexandra Theater, which is the new home for Midnight Madness, as well as a new festival venue for this year. So everything is on Festival Street, essentially, this year. So, like, everything's on King Street. Like, you have Lightbox, you have Princess of Wales, you have the Royal Alexandra, you have Roy Thompson Hall, and then you have uh, the Scotiabank. Um, that, so, that's something I want to quickly ask you, yeah. though, uh, about. Like, we've heard over the last, like, even before the pandemic, that this, I mean, we're in the Scotiabank Theater now. That, that this area is getting torn down. Yeah, right? and that this was going to become condos and that there might be a smaller, downsized yeah. version. What happens then? Does, Cine, does Young and, because Young and Dundas used to be a place for TIFF, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, that's where I saw um, Bad Lieutenant the first time. Yeah. Uh, Port of Call, New Orleans. Yeah, you know. I guess the biggest thing is like what becomes of the press venue, right? Because Scotiabank is essentially the press, the press venue and, you know, the odd public screening in the evenings and, and after that Wednesday, Thursday of the, of the festival when the press go home, right? So I don't know when the hell that's happening. Like we should talk to Jonathan, my friend, who is the manager here. He might know more. I don't yeah. know. But like, I, I don't know. Because like that would suck to lose this IMAX theater because like as much as we kind of shit talk Scotiabank like the IMAX theater is worth is great keeping is great it's yeah. like and I Cinesphere is also great but the seats are better he- here yes. and um, they're both lo- laser IMAX projectors which is like top tier IMAX like real IMAX other than film um, so I don't know man like I, do you, does it stay at Lightbox Lightbox only has five cinemas two of them are pretty small like I, everyone's talking about going to the Weird Al P&I and I'm like it's in theater four. You're not getting into that. Like, yeah. unless you're there really early. Especially like, with the mix up. That right? has like 200 seats. Not even, I think it's like a, it's like a hundred seats or something yeah. like that. Like, because I, on top of that as well, if you think that like, okay, well then they'll move more screenings to young and Dundas. Well, young and Dundas now is also open to Ryerson students. Yeah. So if that doesn't work, do they, they go back to like when they were using the varsity or, or do they go back to hot dogs even, you know, do they, do they spread it out again throughout the, I think they the, want to keep the it all on the core? street, right? Like, yeah. I think you, but how do you do that with, if this, if this theater isn't, you know, I think maybe you, you do press screenings at one of those bigger theaters or like you do them at Princess of Wales and Royal Alexandra during the day when, or the mornings when you don't really have, screenings during the week and stuff like that maybe but then they do use those venues during the week for 10 a.m screenings and stuff like that for the people that the public that do the festival right or it might they might have to change how they do things because other festivals the press there aren't specific p and i screenings they just get tickets for the public screenings right so like which is what they're kind of doing this year with the 20 tickets i wonder if that 20 tickets for press is testing out sort of can you get everything with which obviously what we talked about isn't working out super well no but like i don't know whether you just go hey we give you 30 tickets redeem them for public showings and it's all public showings at these big theaters and stuff like that but 
And that's um, also interesting for international press because a lot of international press usually only comes for the first week. Yeah, for the first yeah week, yeah, Thursday to Wednesday usually, or Tuesday even. Like, and even uh, they leave before. I mean, like, tell your ride just happened and it's only really a weekend, but, you know, it kind of feels like that's the same thing where, like, that first few days during TIFF is the busiest. Yeah. Like, not maybe the first day, but, you know. The first weekend, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I would, uh, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. I think we still have a couple festivals here. Like, I think with the pandemic, it delayed it. Who knows if it's even happening anymore. It could just, uh, those plans might have gotten scrapped. Yeah, like Cineplex being owned by a British company or European company. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I have no idea. But, yeah, you know, the venues are always interesting. Because, like, yeah, no Elgin or Winter Garden this year. Um, no Ryerson Theater or whatever the hell Ryerson's called now. Um, I uh, I don't think I'll miss the Ryerson. Like I, it was an iconic TIFF venue, but it did just feel like a school auditorium. Yeah. Like I, so I'm like I'll miss that one I, section sure. where you know you'd get in on time and there would be that extra leg room. Leg room. We gotta find that. Well, yeah. And the Ryerson wasn't reserved seating, which I think a lot of people liked too. Yeah. Right? Um, the and there were some fun memories as well. I think like when you when you go and see a Midnight Madness movie at Ryerson, like it really does. Do you think that will translate to? Oh yeah, I think to I Royal think Alex. Yeah. It's it's like in the Thor movies, you know, Asgard venue. is in is in a place. It's a people, <laughs> you know, right? So like, and we'll just take over a fancier looking venue and yeah. make it as grungy as the yeah. As we'll the trash Ryerson this was. joint up. Yeah, which I hope that's that's we'll, we'll see. We're going to the Weird Al premiere, and that's opening night, so that should yeah. be Hawaiian shirts are coming. Fun. I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt, absolutely. Um, so that's exciting. Um, we do have one screening at Roy Thompson Hall this year at the end of the festival, which I always like to try to go to every every location every venue every venue at least once during the festival and i know roy thompson uh pre-pandemic they made some huge improvements on both the screen and the sound there yeah because we saw vox lux yeah and that and they really improved that that cinema because i hated seeing stuff there well because you you mentioned it being like a lecture hall or something like like that like a a powerpoint presentation yeah because they just used to put up a screen and it looked like it was just very thrown together and that was like their gala venue so finally someone was like why don't we make this look super nice and not just make this look like we're you know at a concert hall with a screen up right like so but i love seeing stuff at princess of wales i love seeing stuff in those types of venues and i think that's what's special about the festival right like i got my mom tickets to my policeman and uh, the Fablemans, because she wanted, she's never gone to TIFF before. She knows how much I love it every year. Um, Are you going to those scre- any of those screenings? No, you're not. No, because no, okay. we're seeing them at other times. Yeah. Uh, my wife Nevis is going to Fablemans with uh, with, nice. with my mom and her friend. Um, so I got them those both. At, I wanted to make sure I didn't get them tickets for Scotiabank, right? Like, right. Um, I wanted to get them tickets, even Lightbox, where they can see a movie year-round. Lightbox, probably the best cinema in Toronto for pure uh, multiplex-ish. Like, it's like a mini multiplex. It has five cinemas. But, like, it, it's obviously leaps and bounds better than where we're sitting right now in Scotiabank or... Um, uh, some of the other theaters in Toronto, but uh, quality-wise, but I wanted to make sure that she went to a venue that you wouldn't normally see a movie at, and I think that's that's what I love about TIFF is like you can watch a movie with three thousand people, 
and you don't get that very often like no. you only really get that at festivals so like you know those big premieres like the Fablemans, like glass onion like the whale that we're all seeing at princess of wales or even uh, something like bros where yeah. like i think watching that with an audience oh, three thousand people like a comedy like that is going to be a blast right yeah. and like even if you're sitting in the balcony third third story uh it's not the best experience but it is though at the same time like it's a weird angle you're watching the movie from because you're looking down on a screen yeah. that's probably looks smaller than your phone would be in your hand but like it's it's that atmosphere of being in a in a this big theater with all these thousands of people watching a movie that um is quite nothing like that's why we get so many public tickets right like we could do all p and i's if we wanted to yeah but like when they say here you get 20 public tickets i'm like yeah i'm using those because like i love the public showings of it right but i but i do think that the public tickets help though because you mentioned with like the p and i's there are some scheduling conflicts that come up quite a bit like especially like on that first day where it's like there's a bunch of stuff that's played you know like this year for example with you know playing can or that always or, happens yeah, but, yeah. But, but i think like if you have a public ticket like it's kind of almost like a reassurance that it's like okay well you can catch up with this you know later if you're here for the two weeks yeah. right yeah but i just mean even like even being privileged getting press access right or, or industry access is like i still opt for as many public showings as i can because that's how i started doing this festival and i feel like you know, you still get good reactions at a press screenings a lot of the times, but like, it's not the same. <laughs> like, it's the vibes are different, right? Like, yeah. and at least you still get packed screenings during PNIs. Like, it is nice when we get pre screeners in Toronto and we get to sit, but it's like a group of what thirty of us that are regulars and like yeah. sometimes a lot of white most, males. Yeah, um, a lot of people are regulars, and then during TIFF you might get some people you don't normally see. So. It, it ups it a little bit but like the press that's why like i miss i love going to marvel's uh screenings through disney but like i do miss that opening night crowd i feel like it does add an element to it right that you do miss from press screenings and yes first and foremost you are reviewing the film you're not reviewing how the audience reacts or the experience to it, or the experience but i kind of think that is part of it right like it, or or it does help a movie and i think that's well, how especially most if you don't like it right yeah. like if, if you don't like it but you can see how other people react do, to it yeah. you can't just necessarily like you can still be critical of the film but like you can understand that like oh there are people here that are enjoying this and yeah. and, and when you're watching it with just critics it's harder to gauge something that is meant to be a crowd pleaser yeah. right like something again like bros where like that movie feels like it is going to do very well with the public and tiff is one of the few film festivals in the world that you know on the scale that it is is open to yeah. the public a as lot well of them are but they're usually very limited yeah. right like new or york, extremely expensive not new, to say the tip isn't expensive open either to it. yeah like uh different ones are but, but like can and tell your ride yeah. and things like that yeah, you know sundance yeah. yeah yeah are really hard to uh they're only even Telluride, like it, I think it is technically open to the public, but it's just for the like rich people that live in that area yeah. mostly. I think like who are like patrons and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's the ice machine. I mean, is but people going. would argue TIFF gets more and more elitist and, and harder to a access. And stuff oh, like it is. That I mean, too. we we talked about the priority press yeah. thing and like how like even though it's not happening this year on the, the Taylor Swift stuff this year right? yeah, yeah. Like, that's something we haven't really talked about at all which, which is like, that is weird to me because like I like it's it's good for Tiff in the sense of like it's people 
will buy tickets. People are going to be it puts a spotlight on it. Scalping tickets, yeah. um, but it, it's strange because like Taylor Swift does have a movie coming out. The problematic David O. Russell's um, Amsterdam. Will anyone ask her about that? <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> but she's here to support the short that she made, yeah. right? And it's playing on film for the yeah. first time ever. Um, and it does have Sadie Sink, who's in yeah. The Whale. And um, uh, what's his name that I actually like quite a bit? Dylan O'Brien. Yeah, I like Dylan O'Brien. Yeah, no, I do too, yeah. I do too. Um, but but it's interesting that it's like you're, you're bringing somebody who's best known as a musician who really hasn't had much of a footprint in film. Like this does kind of feel like... It is going outside the I agree. film festival. I agree. Route I said the same thing bit. to my wife. It was just like, I, I felt like it was taking away some of the spotlight from the filmmakers and from some of the films. Like I yeah. feel like it was distracting a little bit. Like if um, it was with Billie Eilish, I would get it because she's done, you know, scores for Turning Red yeah. and and you know even this is a short with she no made time to die years ago, right? Yeah, or at this point, like, and at so least like, have Darren Aronofsky doing the Q and A so they can talk about scarves. Yeah, sure. Yeah, red scarves specifically. Because again, um, Darren Aronofsky directed The Whale. Sadie Sink. There you go. Taylor's There's work. some connection yeah. there, but like, you know, I I understand you don't turn down that opportunity. No, if I you do can too. Do it. Like, I I absolutely understand why Cameron and and the whole TIFF team would be like, this is one of the biggest stars in on the planet, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter movie or otherwise. You find a way to tie it into movies, right? But like, it is. It does like, feel a little more forced. I'm sure TIFF paid for the print of of the 35 millimeter print. Of, yeah. of that short film, right? So it it does tie it back to film. It's a music video with will, some acting Will Tom in Hooper's it. Cats um, be mentioned during this interview yeah, or David The o. Giver Russell with J, uh, yeah. uh, Jeff Bridges where she's um, in it for like five is seconds? Is she? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I understand it, but it, I think it is a bringing a level of chaos to Tiff as well that like... Well, it's getting it's a younger audience as a well. A younger right? audience, a very passionate audience is a polite way to put it. Um, where I think people who aren't used to the festival experience and getting tickets at the festival as well as like yeah a concert if she plays Rogers Center or even Scotiabank has minimum 20,000 seats maximum 60,000 seats like at Rogers Center 50,000 50, where okay you have a pretty good chance based on how much money you want to spend how much time you want to put into it that you can get tickets to that concert right Tiff Bell Lightbox 1 has 500 seats <laughs> like and those would go instantly for yeah. that and and they and people these people online who are swifties um are are saying like we're gonna line up to try to get rush tickets all this stuff and i'm like that's not happening like if you don't have a ticket we saw them uh, i showed you a photo today that they were reselling for twenty five hundred dollars a pop for one ticket and it and that's confirmed sold for that price yeah um, well there's also one film critic who i i don't even want to call him a film critic he'll be he'll remain nameless i'll show you the tweet afterwards i um screenshotted it um who was so pissed with the the way that the window worked the redemption window that he's trying to scalp the Fableman tickets and sell them off to people in the second half is it just joking or no i don't think so man yeah i don't know um, um, but I don't. But I'll sh I'll show you the tweet I'll afterwards. Look at it because it, it doesn't seem like it's a someone joke. I know. Yes, uh, it's someone with a bad reputation. Sure. I'll, uh, interesting. Uh, we'll talk after this. But um, the Taylor Swift thing is interesting. I, I get it. But um, I'm staying the hell away from 
light box that day. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, like between um, you know Taylor Swift and, and Harry Styles, like they are really trying to get a younger demographic on top of also enticing you know film lovers as a whole with someone like Steven Spielberg coming in to show something that's very personal and the first time he's ever had a film that he's directed play at the festival so yeah. they are pl- they're they're hedging their bets in a lot of ways where it's like we want to max again talking about maximalist cinema we want to maximize the amount of people that are interested and we want to kind of like tackle Each all those demographics of, yeah. right with you know the 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 young people that will take photos of harry style and Dunkirk, terry swift terry swift <laughs> um did, did that ever happen to you because that happened at one of my screenings yeah, of Dunkirk, yeah. where um, where where Harry Styles fans were at least we're going to the P and I of my police. Yeah, because I could only imagine what that uh, uh, premiere is going to be. Like. But but it shows you where it's like okay, like it's. It, Did they confirm if he's coming or no? Who knows? I don't care. I neither. Um, is he going to spin on someone? We'll find out. Um, Just see that it, they came. Chris Pine's rep came out and was like, "That's ridiculous. He didn't spit on him." No. Really. Uh, who cares? But it's, just, I know, it's, it's funny. I mean, it just adds to the debacle of Don't Worry Darling, which yeah. we haven't even seen. And yet, and like, haven't really talked about it all. But, no. like, there's... After we got off uh, from recording yesterday, because it premiered in Venice yesterday, there yeah. was all that chaos as well. And but, even before that, with, like, the leaked video of Olivia Wilde yeah. basically supporting Shia LaBeouf over Florence Pugh and calling her Miss Flo, which is, like... It, like the the film has kind of been sullied, but at the same time, you mentioned a, a, a good point. It's like it's actually, you know, bad publicity is still good publicity, right? It's, For, it's I guarantee you. I said this to you that I know we're getting off track to what we're talking play about with Tiff, and, but yeah. um, don't worry, darling. We'll make more money now than it would have last week because of all this stuff. Like yeah. I just feel like more. It puts more eyes on it. People know what it is. They want to kind of see how Harry Styles' bad accents are going or like um, or how Florence Pugh is or just that cast interacting with one another like I feel like it puts more eyes on it and it will make more money than it did so I think you know Warner Brothers uh, of the two movies they have yeah. coming out this <laughs> yeah. fall uh, they're probably like whatever who cares like yeah. I know it's messy but like as long as it the movie makes more money than it would have, then they don't. I, I'm sure they don't really give a shit. But like, it's getting not great reviews and stuff. But I think that even adds to the allure of it. Like, yeah, I feel like they're like. Well, it's like a car wreck, right? Bad. You can't help but look at it as you're passing by. Yeah, you're like all this nonsense involved in it, and it's a bad movie, or or not objectively bad, but it's not getting great reviews. That like. It makes it kind of more intriguing. So, uh, but now I can kind of see why it didn't play TIFF either, right? Like, yeah, given the not that TIFF TIFF programs a lot of not great stuff either. But well, um, no, I, I don't think the quality. I, I think more so the it, turmoil like, yeah. of behind the scenes and like you know one thing that TIFF does really kind of want is they they want the premieres of films, but they also want you know the filmmakers and the actors and the people that have made those movies to be in attendance that right. is a part so if they of knew that like kind of oh Florence Pugh's not doing press she's yeah. she would show up for a premiere but if it's premiering at Venice she probably wouldn't show up for the premiere here if it was a North American premiere or whatever yeah um, her reps uh, would be like she's making Dune 2 leave her alone yeah yeah sure yeah. Um, which she's innocent I think uh, in this whole oh, situation totally. yeah yeah, yeah for sure given what we know yeah who knows it, it is like people going like who cares i agree with that i'm i'm usually on the side of who who cares but i'm also like it is that kind of train wreck kind of thing where it's like it is kind of funny and like they're all just 
you know privileged rich actors and, and directors and stuff like that and and uh you know pop stars where i'm like yeah make fun of them like watch the car wreck like i'm who cares i'm not like i don't feel sad for any of these no. people involved really like it's just they uh, didn't have to be there if they really didn't want yeah it. that's true too but um yeah back to tiff um other things i'm excited for um just seeing stuff with you know you and and, and friends and and you know nevis and i like uh we're not seeing much together i think the weird thing about reserve seating that's another thing like it's you can get you can't see things with people that often because if you all buy your tickets separately or get your tickets separately you all sit in weird random spots so um you know there are those kinks and that goes on the uh not the band the kinks uh, on the public side too where it's like you have to coordinate so much with your friends and family and all this stuff if you want to actually sit with people you can't all buy your own separate tickets anymore and like i like reserve seating but like for people who have listened for a long time know that like eric and i are both aisle guys and me for i have to go to the bathroom so often like i've been holding it in on this podcast even because it's not like i'm at home where i can just run to the bathroom um i like the aisle because i don't like bothering people like in the middle of a movie and i have to go i have just the weakest bladder of all time TMI, I know. Wait, but I you're know. saying this and you have a bottle of gatorade, gatorade and, and uh iced coffee and a water yeah and they're large i think that i am my own worst enemy i'm i constantly need to be like hydrated something yeah um and during tiff that slows down because i i know i don't want to go to the bathroom that often so i like only right. drink you know when necessary but you also um, do consume a lot of caffeine which yeah. is necessary for the festival yeah. because once you get to like day four or five and you know you've only had maybe like yeah. 10 hours of sleep in total yeah. and uh, you, you yeah. need that and then i'm also claustrophobic a little bit where i don't like uh being trapped somewhere and i often feel trapped when i'm in the middle of a giant row at, at a movie theater where yeah. i feel like it's partly my anxiety of not wanting to bother people to get up and just like uh an aisle seat gives me that safe exit if i ever needed to get out not in like a in a weird violent way or anything like that but just if i feel like i don't want to be there anymore or if i need to go to the bathroom or something like that so the reserve ticket things has been randomly music oh that's coming from the movie from bullet train i think so (laughs) which is which is ironic because we had um during the screening of triangle of sadness no that's spider-man it's the the more fun stuff version oh great well yeah anyway so with the bullet train thing which was funny we there was a couple that by accidentally came into the wrong screening and thought it was bullet train and (laughs) it was triangle Triangle of sadness Sadness. yeah (laughs) they were in uh for a shock they came in at an interesting time of that movie as well um anyways going back to the reserve seating so like i'm i'm dreading looking at where my seats are and then seeing i'm in the middle of like a 50 like some of those uh rows at the princess of wales or at the royal alexandra are like long ass rows with like 50 seats and if i'm like at 25 right in the middle i'm like oh no you are trapped i'm trapped because uh, they are also no leg room so if you need people to get up everyone's got to stand up for you right yeah and that gives me so much anxiety well we were but, talking like, about anxiety today with even pooping? just yeah. yeah going to the bathroom in a starbucks right and being afraid of like yeah. being the one you know washroom and whether or not the door's properly locked and i know it's like just who cares like if you gotta go you gotta go or whatever like people like sorry if you're mad at me that i gotta get up tough shit like literally um, yeah <laughs> so like it's just 
I, I, it's just this weird internal anxiety that I always have where I'm like, I hate making, I hate making people do things that they don't want to do or I think they don't want to do or, uh, or making people inconveniencing people or something like that. I'm always that person who's like, I don't want to bother them or whatever. Yeah. And then I, that's why I like an aisle seat because then I'm like, I can go to the bathroom five times. Who gives a shit? Like, yeah, um, literally. Uh, yeah. So that's giving me a little anxiety. I've looked at where our seats are, but I haven't overanalyzed like where they are exactly. Um, I don't want to just because like I just want to take it day by day and just kind of like live in the moment yeah um, sure I think it, it causes less stress that's that way true. I'm not again we're very privileged I'm excited for all of this yeah stuff. we're talking about seat um, placement yeah like we got premieres to the Fablemans Glass Onions the Whale uh, uh, Decision to Leave no we're doing a press screening we're doing a Broker, press screening um, yeah we got lots of all your favorites yeah but uh it's gonna be fun, man. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Like, no, I think I think like you know we're 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 probably the most coherent we're going to be uh, during this festival right now. Or no, I mean it's, the festival's not on yet, but like it basically is. You know, um, I mean we're wearing our badges like a couple of cool guys. Um, Absolute losers. I mean you have a you have a bag, but like I was afraid to like leave it in my wallet because you know like or your pocket yeah, falls out. Falls or out. Like yeah. Um, Did I tell you I, my wedding ring i'm still getting used to wearing yeah so when i i, I take it off frequently when i uh, like wash your hands wash my hands and stuff like that and i put it in my pocket wash my hands i should put it back on my ring finger sometimes i forget I went to the barbers the other day um and i had a panic attack because i washed my hands and i didn't think about it for a while and i was sitting getting my hair cut and i reached into my pocket and it wasn't there my wedding ring I lost, I, like, I was sweating, dude, and, like, l- like freaking out internally, and I was like, Dexter, who's my barber, he's great. I'm like, Also, I, your cat. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I I think I lost my wedding ring. I'm like, I, I need, uh, he's like, do you want me to go check the couch over there? Because he knew I was sitting over on the couch waiting to get my haircut. And I was like, could you please, like, mid-haircut, stop and go look over there? And then he went over, and he picked it up, and it was in, like, the crack of the couch. And yeah. I'm just like... Oh my god! Now, did he put in that blue liquid afterwards for you? No, he didn't. That would have been good. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that would do to this. But Probably nothing. <laughs> Anyways, I forget what you were gonna say. Well, I was just, I, I think overall, like, um, you know, like it's excited, it's exciting to kind of do this and kind of get back into in-person screenings again and this is you know like i wouldn't be surprised if we're feeling a little rusty kind of doing this and like i think the one thing i am a little bit i mean i'm gonna have advil like that's one of the things that you suggested to to have but um tums and advil are the things i'll keep in my backpack yeah the one thing i've noticed in the last couple of years before the pandemic was that like i always have problems with my knees for sitting and like sitting and standing sitting and standing so long right like there's a flare-up there so. And especially that goes back to the aisle seat. I like yeah. to stick my legs out in the in the fucking aisle, like uh, because I we're old now, where it's just like my knees cracking and fucking stiff after these things. So yeah, I'm with you. You gotta almost train yourself to sit in a fucking chair for ten days straight, essentially, right? and, and like, watch multiple movies per day, yeah. which we haven't been doing a lot of that. Yeah, so. mentally, it's gonna be interesting, right? Like yeah. To, you know, we kind of saw maybe two a day leading up for some of the screenings and stuff like that, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, to kind of dip our toes back in, but um, those four or five movie days, I think we only have like 
a couple of those, but... Yeah, I, I think we're pretty good in terms of, like, pacing ourselves. Like, we do have some times in between... A couple the hours, four or five hours, where we can record yeah, and do different things. So. Get some food, yeah. you know, l- take some fresh air and look at the sun for a minute. <laughs> Not, like, directly, obviously, but, yeah. like, just kind of, like, you know, decompress, yeah, basically. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited... Uh, thank you all for listening or uh, watching on YouTube. I know it's kind of a weird episode where we did half and half, but uh, Eric and I were just chilling, wanted to get this episode out as a TIFF preview, talk about some of the films we've seen, some of the ones that are coming up. Uh, we're going to be covering all of the biggest films from the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, we've already mentioned a lot of them, so uh, we'll try to get those reviews up as quickly as possible after those big premieres and things like that. So it really just depends on when we see them, how much time we have, um, you know, when I can have access to Wi-Fi on my laptop to quickly edit things together. I think the audio versions will probably go up faster than the video versions, where the video versions might be a little delayed on YouTube. Um, but you know, keep it locked on Untitled Movie Podcasts or uh, Untitled Movie Reviews on all podcast services. That's where all of our TIFF reviews will be. Um, so if you're on this channel, go subscribe over there, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube at Untitled Movie Podcasts. Easiest place to find everything. Letterboxd will be a one-stop shop for everything. Uh, I'll, we'll put up our reviews there which will have links to the YouTube and the uh, audio versions. So untitled underscore movies over on Letterboxd. Uh, it's going to be busy, man. It's going to be busy, but it's going to be fun. So It's going to be busy, um, man, or is it going to be the Fable Man? Yeah, it will be the Fable Man, man. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I'm already like going, okay, when are we going to record stuff? But uh, this was a good test today. Like We recorded uh, reviews for Cobra Kai and Pinocchio, which you guys can uh, check out soon probably for both of them yeah the coke um, machines in the background yeah, for a couple we're recording at Scotiabank, which we will be spending a lot of time here over the next uh week and a half basically um so go check those out um the audio will sound different this week and i think it gives it a nice little flavor flame so yeah a little uh, mustard on that I'm one excited uh as always my name is matt Rohrbeck. you can find more of my work around the internet uh, mostly on UntitledMoviePodcast.com. And starting next week on September the 12th, you can see some of my work on Family Feud Canada, which will be airing Monday to Friday on CBC and CBC Gem, uh, 7 or 7.30. Uh, go check that out. Um, all the good questions are mine. Yes, all of them. <laughs> and then follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. Uh, I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM621. Also, just quickly, uh, we had an appearance on intheseats.ca and talked more about this in depth. So if you want more of us talking about it, you can go there. We'll also have... Uh, an interview that Matt did with the director of Barbarian coming up and a review for that, as also mentioned, a Pinocchio review. Uh, so there's going to be even more content, not just TIFF stuff. I don't know why we j- <laughs> We're like, hey, you know, let's do other stuff during TIFF that yeah. isn't TIFF stuff, which we are now realizing maybe wasn't the best idea, but we're rearranging, we're pivoting. We're pivoting, baby. Yep. Uh, until next time. Merry TIFFmas.